Hare Krishna, everyone. We're on the late morning program. Oh, I forgot this. Hello, everyone. So we are the late morning program with Nam Ras. I'm here with Chaitanya Nanda for episode 22. 22, yes, episode 22. And um, this is your second appearance on the show. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you, neighbor. Put the kids to sleep and come over to Nam's for another podcast. Yeah. Great, great. So how you been? Good. So, so since, we spoke, uh, since we spoke last, it was, uh, it was a year ago. Just about, yeah. Yeah, so what have you been up to since then? Um, let's see. We moved. Okay. So now we're basically 20 minutes from you now. So Super. You know, play dates and all. So Yeah. Um, and then I changed jobs. You, you're um, an architect. I'm an architect, yeah. Right, right. I changed jobs and trying to rebuild the temple. <laughs> Which temple? <clears throat> it's gone of New York City. It's funny when I hear, like, it's gone of New York. Like, I, I think of, like... You know, all of New York, but it's Brooklyn. It's got, why isn't it? Why isn't it called? It's gone Brooklyn because Brooklyn is a part of New York City, right? Uh, yeah, obviously. So the activities of the Brooklyn Temple are supposed to be um, felt and accessed by the entire city, right? Right. So whether it's devotees coming to the temple or pilgrims and guests, or we going out um, where the temple is right now, it's like you know you couldn't ask for a better location. Like yeah. all the subways somehow get you to Brooklyn in about an hour from. Most parts of New York City. That's a, that's an amazing uh, central location. Yeah. So even though it's physically in the borough of Brooklyn, I mean, that used to be a city about 100 years ago, but then when it all became New York City, so it's ISKCON of New York City. Right. Awesome. So um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how that's going. Like, what are the challenges you're facing now in the sense of it's been some time now that the, you know, the, the hands have changed and management has changed. And now you're kind of getting and I and what I've seen there has been like a, re, a really vibrant team and, um, and a ni- very nice leader and, and uh, things are happening. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely good. Lots of goods. We have some young devotees who are fired up and definitely pushing the envelope in terms of creativity with their service and how to get uh, devotees and guests into the building. Right. Um, We had to get the restaurant open again, and that took a little while, but now it's functioning. And hopefully we'll improve it this year and make it a more vibrant um, presentation. Trying to get a new cafe going on the ground floor. Wow. Wow. So that we can, because we have all this street frontage, right? So we want to put a cafe up there now and, and hopefully in the summer months have the doors open and music blasting from inside out, wow. <clears throat> you know, and devotees selling vegan treats and, you know, knowledge, you know, and hopefully. it's so hard for me to think of it as a place where like lots of people walk and things like from what I remember as a kid going there, it was like kind of like the outside was like kind of scary. Well, yeah, but the. But the good news is, I mean, it's really changed it's a huge difference. I yeah. mean, there's apartment buildings, each like 200, 300 units within walking distance, all brand new. Amazing. So, I mean, I remember one, what was, I think Diwali. I mean, there was like all sorts of people, you know, Indian American or uh, Hindu, just literally, oh, we heard about this and we just live over there or we just live yeah. over there. And one lady who lived, who is our temple neighbor, she came in with her dog. It was hilarious. <laughs> she came in the temple with a dog. Yeah. Nice. It was hilarious. <laughs> I we mean, if, if lots of people have dogs, so you're going to have to cater for that as well, right? That's the thing. So we didn't have a policy of what to do with pets, but now we do. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Awesome. Um, so someone was, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying how uh, they felt like that ISKCON survived through the 80s and 90s because of the Sunday feast model. I would say, and forgive me, Iskand devotees, <laughs> that I wouldn't call this surviving. <clears throat> okay, tell me why. Um, and and I oh, well, define define surviving. Maybe I should define sur- surviving. Yeah. Okay. You define define it. It's uh, surviving in the sense. I don't know why this is peaking. This is weird. You're just exuberant. I know, but I, I'm turning myself down, and I still am peaking. Anyway, it's fine. 
Um, surviving in the sense. Uh, give me a second here. I'm just gonna work something here. It's strong. It's weird. Um. Okay, surviving in the sense that. The, the 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 temples are are continuing to stay open the mortgages are being paid and devotees are are still sticking around um okay in that respect sure but that's like saying you know i have a unhealthy patient and they're in the hospital bed stuck with wires and tubes coming out right <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Now, again, for the critics, you know, they're going to point at me, well, you were one of those you know, Sunday Feast model guys, and you're, you're thrived on that. I'm like, yeah, it's true. It's not that... We grew up on that. We grew up on that. So that was the basis of our Krishna consciousness. When I was a kid, I looked forward to Sundays because I knew I would see my temple friends. Right. And we could eat things and, and not worry about, you know, what's in them and, you know, the bake sale and pizza and all that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah play Murdanga whenever we wanted, you know. So for us, that was our lifeline. But now I'm looking at that and, and I'm like, okay, well, couldn't the devotees have done more with, with little? And I say that because in other parts of the world, you know, like in England and in, in Africa, South America, ISKCON thrived. Right. Thrived, making devotees... And, you know, weathering all the guru issues. So why in America did, or North America did things go in a different direction? What direction? Where the temples became the Sunday feast model. Right. It, it, so many people would argue with you that it's not something that, something. It, it's more than surviving. Okay. But, like I said. No, we, I, agree, I agree with you, but <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. So yeah. you can live comfortably in a hospital tied to tubes that are doing your breathing for you, doing your eating for you, yeah. doing you know, your blood changes and all that. But, and it comes through survival means you're able to stand in spite, in spite of all the difficulties. Mm. And standing on, on your own two feet. And what's the two feet of the ISKCON movement? You know, we have the outreach, which is our preaching and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we have our ability to make, you know, more rank and file devotees to keep the thing going. Like committed. Yeah, committed. Committed devotees. Yeah, I mean, the ISKCON model only worked, you know, at its best, like they say, the good old days, the 70s, um, when the financial model was that of a communal lifestyle. Right. So it required young energy, you know, young persons, young devotees willing to give up three, four, five years of their life like you did to to for a you know a higher purpose right and then basically as you're transitioning out you're basically teaching the next batch coming in to take your place that's the way the model was back then yeah and now the model is okay uh, if you're a president or a manager of a temple now this is your you know livelihood and that is where i think the the challenge came you know how does ISKCON as an organization stay true to its principles, but at the same time be able to, you know, weather the changes of the environment, of society. I mean, back then in the 60s, everyone wanted to rebel against, you know, the, the norm. So mm -hmm. it was easy to join an ashram because everybody did it. Right. In the 70s and the 80s, things changed. Life got better. I mean, this is what we talked about a year ago, the same, same point. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a critical necessity for the devotees who were there back then to continue. That's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, financial or personal needs. You know, marriage was still frowned upon. You know, not many people got married in ISKCON in those days. Mm. <clears throat> and if you were in the 70s, you were separated from your kids. Kids had to go to Gurukul. And in the 80s, now you had to figure out your own life and figure out what to do with yourself and how to survive. I mean, so in those respects, the... You know, the ISKCON that they knew back then was not the ISKCON that we grew up with. And so in that respect, I would say, I don't think it survived. <clears throat> so so what's your observation uh, now in the sense of, like, what is it, what's pra practic in practical terms, what is it now that makes it not standing up on our own two feet? It's this, you know, same 
we have an opportunity, you know, technology has advanced, you know, the ability to um, diversify our, our outreach models have advanced, but I don't think it has been embraced in ISKCON as a whole. Technology hasn't been advanced? Not just, uh, not embraced? just yeah, technology, um, outreach, um, outreach models, you know, what they call bridge programs or whatever. Right. Um, and the biggest challenge, and this I heard from when you, um, Jonavi's podcast, I was listening to that this morning, actually. Oh, okay. Um, how to uh, value the devotees who are coming, whether they're the congregation or the full-timers, to get them to buy into what you're trying to do. Hmm. I know it's, 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 a, it's a very challenging you know, thought. Get them to buy into what you're doing, and what does that mean? So buying in. So no, I know, I know what buying in, but buying uh, into, into what? Into what? Yeah. So what is the mission of ISKCON? That's what I'm trying to get people to buy into. Who's not buying into it? If that was the case, then you would see devotees <laughs> like the Jehovah's Witness out there every week distributing books, whether it's one day. Oh right, right. True, true. Touching the pavement, doing something. Doesn't it have to do with your level of uh, understanding in if, the sense of... If you, if you join a Jehovah's Witness, you, you're, when you sign on the dotted line... You've got to be out you there. You've got to be out there. Oh, interesting. You know, so basically there's no consequence for becoming a devotee now. There's no accountability. As long as you chant your rounds, do your four, four principles, you know, that's it. That's all that's required now. You're kind of just like left on your own. If you don't, if you don't make that attempt to participate in, yeah, in a in a temple, and the thing or, is, or, and, the, and and the thing is, it shouldn't be just up to the practitioner to figure out how to fit themselves in. Like in the old days, from what I've heard, the temple leaders, when they cultivated new persons, they plugged them in immediately. Right. You know, and now it's like, oh, you're here for the Sunday feast. Okay, make sure you leave by a certain time so we can close up and get back to our normal lives. <laughs> That's that's true. Oh, sorry. That's true. Good point. I'm gonna do the applause when so, you make a good point. So that's the, that's what I'm saying. That's not surviving. Yeah. You know. So it, so you so this is something that we talk about very often. What we call mission drift. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about like what you think that is, or and and what it how it, Iskon right now illustrates that. Um. Again, forgive me because I'm a. You know, car carrying is con member, and I'll. You know, let's just let's just put this out there. This podcast is like all about real life, yeah, real talk. Yeah, Kulpavriksha said it. Uh, three things: real talk, real people, something else. And um, I want whoever's speaking, and don't hold back anything. This is like fully a safe space. Like all that's going to come down on you is some comments. <laughs> But I read something really cool today. Like, yeah. if you want to do something, if you're not ready to uh, be uh, be criticized or have critics, then you're not ready to do something um, new and wonderful or something like that. It, that's what the quote was. It's on yeah. Instagram. Check my Instagram. Uh, I don't have that. No, not you. I'm just telling our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, mission drift. So yeah, so mission drift. Um, what was I saying? Oh, um, what is it? And 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 how is it gone? illustrating is mission drift so when when and and i can a lot of what i'm you know speaking towards is because i've you know i had to do my home homework right. i had to read a lot of Srila Prabhupada's letters i had to read a lot of you know and hear a lot of the conversations he's had uh, i mean the of you've had with the devotees and and memory tapes and all that yeah trying to piece together iskon new york's history because there's a lot of Interesting things that happen here, which haven't been documented. So, so a lot of what I'm talking about is from doing that research, plus my own experience. Like I grew up through the thick and thin of Iskand of New York. Right, right. That's so fantastic I, if you so can share saw, that with us. We saw everything. Yeah. So yeah, so mission drift. Um, so what is the mission of Iskand? The mission of Iskand has two purposes. I mean, I mean, there's seven purposes officially, but if you distill them, it's two things. One is the, you know, the self improvement. You know, chanting your rounds, your sadhana. Um, developing a relationship with Krishna, you know, working towards that, you know, goal of uh, prema, the, the latter. Right. Then the second part of it is the outward part, the part where we share what we've learned with 
everyone around us. You know, Yare Deko Tareko Krishna Badesh. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he very clearly gave these two requirements. First you become a devotee and then you make others devotees. Right? Janma Sartha Kari Kara Para Upakara. So the Sarthak part, that's the internal. Right. And then the Upakara is the external. But now, what is the what is our mission? You're going from this Mela to that Sangha to this festival. <laughs> sorry. I'm making this not serious. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, 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 uh, forgive me. So, 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 you know. Going from this Mela, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Those are all internal things. Now, if you read Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, right. the Kirtans at Sriva Sangam, those were the internal events. Yes. But what was your qualification to enter into that Kirtan? You had to be part of the uh, the, the outside Kirtans. You had to be part of the outreach. Right. Like when Srila Prabhupada instructed that the book to, you know, the Brahmacharis could go to India for Mayapur, for the Mayapur Festival. Festival. Gorpurim Festival. Right? Yeah. Because they were spending 10, 11 months out of the year on the streets, on the corners, distributing books. This was their one month to rejuvenate mm. and go to the Holy Dham. You have association, you know, amazing kirtans, prashadam, etc. Yeah. And then you get rejuvenated to go back and do your service. Now it's just... How much rejuvenation do you need <laughs> before you do something? Okay, well, well, a lot of people would um, argue with you uh, and say, if you want to save someone else, you have to be saved yourself. Okay, you can't throw, you can't save someone from drowning if you're drowning yourself. Okay, that's perfectly all right, but at the same time, you joined a mission that teaches you how to swim, right? That teaches you how to, you know, prevent yourself from drowning. Mm. And how do you hold yourself accountable to prevent yourself from drowning is try to help somebody else mm. who is drowning. Right. And I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, actively going out and doing books and all that. I mean, I live an hour away from the temple and half an hour from, you know, our other temple. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So it's not like I can get out there every day. So I'm just, you know, in the background trying to help facilitate facilitate those who are doing this thing sure you know whether it's organizing like the fundraising event we did or you know helping with the graphics or facilitating speakers whatever it is you know we're trying to help mm. and that's a, a a big part of it too so no one should think oh cat is saying every winter goes by i haven't seen him out no that's not the point the point is you have to be plugged into what's going on mm. and then you have to help those who are making it happen it's a team effort absolutely and I and I and I appreciate you know devotees like Vaisheshika Prabhu who really brought it down to the last common denominator, where everyone is a valued part of the outreach process. Right. You know, so whether you're facilitating books, you're organizing books, you're making the prasadam, and or you're making the you know the book bags and whatever, and getting the devotees out there, and then you're doing the accounting afterwards. It's mm. a team effort, but the the challenge is it requires a team. Yes. So you're saying, so you're saying, in essence, that the mission drift is that there is not so much a focus on developing a team, developing, creating that team. Okay, a team. That's and, where the and, mission and, and, is. And growing so, it, right? So I'm not against you know temples having few you know living in, inmates living in the temple. I'm not against that at all. You know, I understand. The devotees of Nirvindavan used to sign their letters to the Prabhupada. The inmates. The inmates. So that's Gosh. that's not that's not the point. You yeah. know, because temple is opening up everywhere. So at some point there will be communities living around the, the the deity in the temple and they'll be worshiping that. That's you know, that's not the problem. That's not the challenge. Yeah. The challenge is, you know, Yarida Kutarekaho, like wherever you are, how do you turn that into a Krishna conscious moment? Mm. Like one of our good friends, um, he posts regularly on Facebook his interactions, and it's like inspiringly amazing. Yeah, you know, he goes into the office, and his boss says, "Come next time for Halloween, we're in, as a devotee." Mm. And he comes in, but not just <laughs> yeah, not just that. with the clothes. He actually brought kartals and he brought books. All right, right, and right. prashadam because that's what the devotees bring. That's their accessories, you know. Right. Yeah, and he did pretty good that. I think like ten books he sold. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, so, but the thing is, so, so that's where the drift is. You know, most devotees, like I was speaking to one of the managers of our, our temple locally here, and she was like complaining, yeah, we had to do this fundraising event and that fundraising, and, and it was like the same five people that went to 
organize both events the same day. Mm. Now, how is that fair? Now, how is that? And then the Sunday feast is packed with 200 people, <clears throat> of which only five or six, you know, chose to attend this outreach event. So when I, you know, when I join ISKCON or when I become a part of ISKCON, when will it dawn upon me or, that, or, or who will impress upon me that part of my obligation as a member of ISKCON is to be a part of the outreach effort? That's a, that's a great um, thing to, to, to wonder. But at the same time, I myself, who grew up in ISKCON, I don't f- necessarily feel that. And I don't think that everyone should feel that. Do you Why think? Not? Why not? Because uh, it, it's about, it's about o- an overflow in, in one's heart of that, okay, I am filled with this love for krishna and and bhakti and if it's overflowing then i can give it to someone else but if it's not overflowing in my own heart how can i give it to someone else well here's the thing do you heard the uh the jaundice example oh yes uh right? nectar of instruction yeah so a person who has jaundice for him sugar tastes bitter right but said then, krishna nama charitari said is that the verse uh probably vidya. yeah and then what's the only cure you have to take sugar Right, the Vedic cure. Now it's in the hospitals and things, mm. but um, but that's the thing. You have to keep practicing, and and the nectar will come. I mean, the few times that I've gone doing books, like one time I went, it was just me and one devotee, mm. and it was like freezing cold outside, and we didn't even get one book sold. Yeah, you know. But afterwards, that devotee consoled me and said, "Don't worry, you know, Mahaprabhu saw us. Yeah, you know, Srila Prabhupada saw us." Because we were out there pushing the mission forward. You know, and the thing is, Vaishishka Prabhu makes it super easy. There's no expectation. Like, you don't have to come back with any Lakshmi points. Just go out there and <laughs> do, your, I love that. <laughs> do your two or three hours or whatever you can do. Yeah. You know, put a book in the doctor's office. You know, just some somehow just get it out there. Mm. I, 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 you know, I did two Christmas marathons and about two or three summer marathons. Mm. And it kind of scarred me, to be honest. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. We were out there, like, for the marathons. We were, like, there for, like, five or, no, yeah. five or six. No, not, like, 12 hours. But, like, <laughs> on a long day, it was eight hours. But on a normal day, it was, like, five or six hours. And for a kid, like, who grew up in ISKCON to go on book distribution for that long, it was, like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, because But that, it was blissful, for sure. Yeah. But, but I, it, it was also, like, traumatic. Yeah, because there was pressure. Oh, there was tons of pressure. There was pressure. There was competition. There was pressure. Competition, yeah. You know, Vaisheshika Prabhu's model, no competition, no pressure, just show up. And they probably really do really well, I assume. They do quite well. Yeah. See, I, I, wish, I, wish, I wish I was a part of that. Well, you can be. I mean, we do a monthly <laughs> Sankirtan Festival in Brooklyn every month. I think <laughs> Good it's plug. third Saturday of the month or something like that. So Nice, nice. Know, look out for that. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Like, I went on the first couple of ones. It was quite great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in this, so so mission drift is that the only thing? Um, I think that that's like you know the root cause. I mean the root challenge, because now you know many of our ISKCON uh, centers are looking to build you know big big palaces. Yeah, I was going to talk about that as well. You know, you know, so many altars of deities, but then what do they do? You know, because they can't commit to coming to the temple at four in the morning on a Tuesday, so they have to hire or import. A pujari from India, or two, or three, or five. That's a whole nother topic in itself, but we should touch on that. Yeah, I have seen so many pujaris go through our temple. Like, I can ta- I can count maybe like thirty or forty in yeah. the in the many years that I've seen it. But mm-hmm. so so, what's the alternative then? I mean, the alternative is to have the congregation do it. Well, that's all the seva. Well, that's but that requires you know a commitment, and that commitment only comes from that team building. Right. Good point. So that's that's the root cause. When the team is not there, yeah. How do you expect the general to you know to do anything when the soldiers aren't there to you know take part in all these things? Mm. And I've spoken to our our temple president of our local temple, and it's he's frustrated because it's really? like pulling teeth just to get devotees to come and 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 uh, pick up the service and he said right now between the devotees who are living in the temple the few of them 
they're at their limit. So if any one of them gets sick or oh my gosh <clears throat> has a, an emergency, has to go back to India or whatever, so you have three altars have installed deities. Oh, two actually. Well, almost three. Yeah. So what do you do? And I know a few temples in India where it's come down to where they just don't worship the big deities at all and just worship the smalls. Really? Yeah. Because of the same challenge. Yeah, you know, it's it's um uh the, the one devotee who's a pujari told me like that it's it's vigraha not galagraha yeah galagraha means like a, a burden or something on the neck yeah. or something like yeah. that that uh, and then Prabhupada said something like um we shouldn't th- we shouldn't think oh our spiritual master left us with this with this burden right right and th- it's that's what it is I mean, many. Sorry to say, many, many temples and devotees are feeling that it's a burdensome. Yeah, it is. I mean, I remember one devotee in a temple, um, and he was brought from India for that purpose of taking care of the deity. And I was like, "Hey, Prabhu, let's you know hang out one day," because he was very nice to me and preaching to me. And he said, "Prabhu, I'm sorry, I'm chained to the deity. I can't leave." Wow. So for a year or two, he barely left the temple walls. He was just. That's not healthy. I mean, I don't know if any of the brahmacharis joining in India or U.S. ever expected that part of their service commitment would be to be chained to a deity in a temple in some random place in the world. I know, right? Yet, yet they they're lining up to to, to come. I mean, that's God bless them. Well, it's because uh, I mean, there's not all of them, but after a certain time period, then you can get a green card and you can. Come, you know, make your life in a, in in another country, you know. Yeah, I mean that's what some some temples have have you know embraced that strategy and it's worked well for them. Yeah. Other temples it hasn't done so well for them. So, so it, again, it's these are all just bandages on the same challenge, which is the the inability to create a team. Yeah. So part of the mission drift is, you know, are the la- leaders and managers focusing on that team building? Yeah. Side topic uh, regarding the deity worship. I always thought that it was so cool in some Indian temples that are not Hare Krishna temples or anything, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's like they worship the deity and then they lock the doors of the temple and then they go to their house and, and then in the morning they come back and they open it and worship the deity again and, and then and night close it. Yes. So no one's living in the temple except yeah. the deity. Yeah. And there's no overhead of, of trying to maintain devotees and all that stuff. Everyone's got where they live already. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a great thing. It's a, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But does it still, is it is it part of the mission or not? Or not? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, not. That's not how Prabhupada. No. I mean, like I know. Modeled it. I know some, you know, devotees are really harping on this point that Prabhupada didn't want anyone to get paid and no one wanted, you know, he didn't want anyone to have salaries. And now many temples are, you know, some one temple I know has a million dollars a year in salaries that they have to pay. No. Yeah. A million dollars. In salary. Yeah. Wow. So how did ISKCON come to that, where now we're trying to earn enough income to, to pay our members to, to do the service? Again, don't get me wrong. I have, you know, I definitely agree. It's definitely, you know, worth our while to compensate devotees for their, yeah. especially if they have crosses, because the, the whole Varnashram thing, you have to get married at some point. Yeah. Or you have to have, you know, some future and secure. I totally am for that. But again, it's a question of that balance or that, that drift that we're, that we're seeing. Mm. You know, how much of our resources are going to, you know, pay salary and pay overhead versus how much is going towards outreach and creating, you know, new resources for um, future generations of outreach. Hmm. You know, so then now in that scheme of things, is it worth it to use whatever meager resources I have to build a giant temple or build a facility Rather than, can I use that in a different way where yeah. I can create a more stable situation and then use the leftover resources for this outreach to be able to create more generations? I mean, the thing is, the last thing you want to see is, you know, giant temples with nobody in there. Okay, listen, the bottom line of team building is that you have to have a leader. Yeah. You have to have an empowered leader. Mm. Yes, yes, for sure you do. You have to have a spiritually 
potent and powerful servant leader who will push everyone from the back the way Vaisheshi Prabhu is doing it in ISV and the way all these other really successful temples, they have a really successful uh, leader. I would, I would say not exactly because in some temples, you know, especially in Europe, because there the Guru Falls happened a lot. The charismatic leader in the front was falling and there were a few devotees who survived that and they were the ones who actually had, had the, the strength to carry the society forward. But they were not, quote-unquote, you know, charismatic or empowered or anything in, in you know, the uh, surface, at the surface. But now we know, gener- you know, decades later that they were very empowered. It, it just requires sincerity, you know, perseverance, you know, some humility, and faith. Yeah. But you see how Srila Prabhupada created this movement due to his purity and his spiritual potency. He did it because his guru told him to. And the success of his mission was he was able to fulfill his guru's order. But it had a lot to do with him. It, it had to do a lot with him. We know that now. But when the time when he did it, his only qualification, in his words, was that he was trying to fulfill the order of his spiritual master. Yeah, but we know we that can't, it was... We don't know. You know. The thing is, if we're waiting for the great Messiah to come in and pull Iskhan out of its you know, situation, fat chance, you're not going to get it. I'm not waiting for, I'm not saying that we should wait for that, but I'm saying that we should have the correct people in leadership who are trained, who have that spiritual background, who have that, uh, that char- that char- charisma. We shouldn't be paranoid of a charismatic leader. I'm, I'm not saying we should be paranoid. No, either. because it comes back to the guru. It, 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 you know, it actually makes me angry. It comes back to the guru thing also. Okay. You know, if you're a very charismatic guru and you have a lot of, of, you know, disciples and you have a lot of followers, people just want to shoot you down in ISKCON because they think you're trying to compete with Srila Prabhupada or something like that. that I, I've seen that. Yeah, and, and that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make no sense. Hey, that's a side, that's a, yeah. that's a tangent, but... We'll go, we'll just go to WhatsApp for that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep doing the wrong one. Um... What were you talking about now? Mission drift. So then, so then, what's the solution? I think besides the team, like like expand on that a little bit. I, I think the the biggest solution is you know when the leaders of ISKCON meet in Mayapur and meet in another place, they should be looking at every opportunity and every way to enrich the lives of the devotees that are there current that are all throughout ISKCON currently, and then help them brainstorm ways to. Get all of these wonderful persons who, you know, became initiated, were chanting 16 rounds, four regular principles, get them, you know, involved, get them vested into what's going on, get them vested into the mission. I don't think you can, I don't think you can, like, it's not a formula. It's not a formula that if you follow X, Y, Z plus Z, but plus one, two, three, and you're going to get, oh, amazing uh, team building. One of the other parallel, you know, Hindu organizations that we all like look to and, and, we, and we're like, wow, how did they do that? Yeah. Swaminarayan. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of them are going to listen to this. <laughs> That's okay. And we're not saying anything bad. We're actually praising. Yeah. So, you know, their history... They focused, you know, this this marble temple thing only started in the late nineties. Like, oh, yeah. What was before that? Before that, they were meeting in community halls and garages and warehouses, right? And they were building teams, right? Like, I I recently, you know, saw snippets of a presentation they did um, in London. For 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 people who don't know, it, the Swami Narayan group, you can look them up, uh, Google them. They're a very um, united and and very uh service oriented organization yeah like my cousin my cousin yeah my cousin is a part of that he he wasn't a part of that growing up but he became a part of it yep. uh, after he got married and he he like goes off uh, some few some weeks per year on a service trip like the way people go to like um, peace the peace something. corps, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he goes and he he just donates his time and he donates his money and it's amazing. Yeah. So I was watching one, you know, one of their 
um, presentations they had, they had done. It's on YouTube. And uh, they focused heavily on creating, you know, a united, you know, family life, a united uh, community, like in, in their temple or in their sangha. Yeah. Um, and 90% of their activities are this team building. Wow. And team building. And of course, you know, they do a lot of social things. So it's tree planting and, and, and you know, charity walks and, and blood drives and all that. But that's part of it. Mm. They do, you know, basketball tournaments and, and all sorts of things. But they're always reinforcing this concept of, you know, we're a team. We're all united. We're part of the same family. And the leaders of that institution, the sannyasis, the gurus, the guru, I mean, that's their main focus. It's more important to them than building the marble temples. Like the last thing, like suppose they wanted to build a temple in, in whatever town in India or whatever. You know, they have like a, from what I understand, they have like, you know, like milestones. You have to achieve this much. Really? Yeah. And it's not just how many people come to your Sunday event or whatever. Yeah. It's how many volunteers you have regularly, how many people took the courses. And they have like a lifetime full of courses you have to take. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. so much education. There's so much team building. There's so much. And then they reinforce that throughout the year with camps and and youth conventions. I mean, they go all out. And that's their biggest focus. Wow. And then the the last thing they do is, does this area need a marble temple? (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, there's not so many of them in America. No, they actually actually hit their limit. I mean, they were planning only six or seven and they hit that. So that's it. In the U.S. Yeah. But the rest of them are just like warehouses. Preaching centers, and warehouses, schools, business, I mean, church, you know, old churches. We could totally learn buildings. from that. Yeah. We could totally learn from that. But the that. thing is, and the thing is, you know, ISKCON is not, you know, we have the same tools that they do. We have all the same because Prabhupada really emphasized, you know, in the Bhagavatam purports, you know, in his letters, conversations that, you know, we have to work as a united effort. Right. The thing that they have that we don't is that they're all the same race. So that means that we have to do better. <laughs> Unity is hard. There's a, a, a video by His Holiness Patkitirtha Swami um, given at the opening of this uh, Durban, South Africa temple. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's an amazing video. Oh, I love that. I listened to that. It's only a one minute. I wish there was... Someone could, you know, I could, make... I could, po- I could play it right yeah. now. Watch <laughs> this, th- this, this roadcaster thing is fantastic. Watch, watch how I play. It's the one where he's speaking at, at, um, he, he's like very animatedly giving a speech, right? Yeah, he's talking about the holy names of the Lord, and in, in there, there's like a brief talk where he speaks about, you know, he took someone to visit the Nairobi Iskand Temple, and there was, you know, the United Nations there, like Italians, Americans, Africans, Indians. And he was, you know, extolling how, how you know, we were doing the real you know, work of the United Nations because we were all together chanting God's names, doing God's work. <laughs> do we have time for all this? Yeah, we do. <laughs> That's weird. Why isn't it playing? Is your Wi-Fi stretched out? Maybe. Hey, don't touch that. <laughs> man. Always problems with technology, man. Yeah, I know. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. But uh, you can just put the link on to that little clip. It's this one for people who are... That's the one, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. I mean, he was interested in team building. Mm. Like, he had his four principles of community. Like, strong, very strong principles. Oh, yeah, I I love those. You know, so... Hard to follow. Very hard. Because it requires practice, and it requires nourishment. It requires all the things that that are hard to do. Mm. You know, so rather than doing that, it became easier for temples to, you know, import pujaris... And then focus on 
what I can do or what they can do to bring people in the door, mm. put the money in the box, take some prashadam, leave. <sighs> yeah. It's a, it's, it, it's a, it's a big challenge. And, and I, and we see that a lot, you know, in our temple in New York and it's, it's, um, you know, issues of manpower is there issues of, um, how to engage devotees correctly, you know, but you know, the, the easy way out is to keep importing and keep moving people around. The hard way is to actually, you know, melt people's hearts, change their consciousness, you know, help them thrive and evolve. Build proper relationships. Build relationships, yeah. And that, of course, unfortunately, takes time. Invest in relationships and don't invest so much in buildings. Yeah. That's hard. It's very hard. You know, I mean... What we're doing in Mayapur, that was Prabhupada's desire. So it's happening, but it doesn't need to happen with that level of frequency elsewhere. I mean, let's. I would request the leaders of ISKCON to take a pause in that. Yeah, you know, not let's not be so encouraging. It's for devotees to find land and throw up a temple and then worry about how it's going to be taken care of. That that worries me like anything. That's no. worrying to me. Like I know one temple that opened up recently, and the whole community basically said, if our president is no longer here. We're going to stop coming. Really? So then what happened? He had to stay. He wanted to preach somewhere else in Iskon. He did his duty. He got the temple up, the mortgage paid. There's a thriving community. Yeah. But they told the, the leaders of Iskon that if this guy goes, we're not coming either. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what did you join Iskon for? I mean, then what was the point of opening a temple there? But isn't that a isn't but but it wasn't like it wasn't like oh, um, you're making the person leave or no he he actually wanted to go he somewhere else he wanted to go somewhere else where he could be more useful because he he did the hard work he planted the seeds he tilled the soil the fruits were coming the flowers were coming as the, the devotees were coming up they're all initiated so isn't that isn't that good because they they loved him as a person, as a devotee, so much, almost like a guru, that they don't, they didn't feel like they wanted to go to the temple because he wasn't going to be there. But unfortunately, as Krishna told Arjuna, we all got to go at one point, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think that if we follow the basic model of the temple that Prila Prabhupada wanted. That probably most people don't know what that model is because it's probably not written anywhere. It might be in some in some document somewhere about what the temple, how the temple should run, or do we have to like go to the shiksha? What is it called? The shikshamrita, where there all the letters are, and you and you look at the database, bro. Yeah, there before the database. Vanipedia. <laughs> Vanipedia is good. Look up all the letters. You know, where Prabhupada said something about the temple and the temple president and the devotees who live in the temple. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Prabhupada had, had he, he was very smart in the way he started ISKCON. He followed the same model his guru did, and his guru followed the model of the Ramakrishna mission. With the Gaudiya Mat did. Yeah, really? it was Ramakrishna Mat, which was the Mayavads, and the Gaudiya Mat was where the Vaishnavas. Mm. You know, so that brotherhood was created back then. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta told Srila Prabhupada, that I wish I could go back to those days. Remember that last walk where he said, you know, Agun Jalve, you know, there will be a fire Ra in the mud. It was rather, after rather the, Yeah. They're walking. Yeah. So he was actually lamenting that yeah. those days in, in the old Ultadanga, you know, Junction Road, yeah. you know, ashram, that's all it was. It was an ashram. Right. You know, the deities were there, but it was basically a simple ashram where the devotees ate communally, lived in harmony, and just did the work of the mission. And then once the the big you know the palace came, I mean the big temple came, and all the notoriety and the offices and the organization, marble, the marble, you know that's <laughs> when things got you know a little bit you know painful. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, so you know you know uh, you can finish that thought and I'll and I'll jump in. Yeah. So. Um, so if we if we go back, so and, and the thing is, we can't go back to a communal lifestyle because that's just, just not practical. That only you know doesn't work. I mean, Mahatma Gandhi tried to do the communal lifestyle at Tolstoy farm. Prabhupada's Gita Nagari um, prophecy was based on the Tolstoy farm, that communal lifestyle. But instead of Gandhiism, it was Bhagavad Gita. Which What's is, the Tolstoy farm? So in South Africa, 
when Mahatma Gandhi was a barrister over there, right. he was influenced by the teachings of Leo Tolstoy. Oh, interesting. And I didn't know that. His, um, yeah, the philosophy of Leo Tolstoy is, is communism. Right. So he created a farm down there where it was a communal living and people, you know, worked for a goal. And, and that goal wasn't exactly Krishna consciousness. It was something else. Yeah. And then when he came back to India to start the, the freedom movement, he created another farm, you know, in, in Gujarat, you know, a Satyagra farm, where he tried to um, live out the principles that he was learning from. Which basically was all came from Jainism. <clears throat> he wasn't even much of a Hindu. He was more of a Jain. Wow. Um, so if you read Prabhupada's Gitanagri prophecy, a lot of the, the the pieces of that came from what Gandhi did in his in his experiments. Interesting. Prabhupada was a Gandhian, so he knew all about Mahatma Gandhi. Right. So, so that was all a communal lifestyle, and then even this conception of Varnashram Dharma that Prabhupada wanted to push. Um, that was basically, you know, a variation of that communal lifestyle mm. where devotees live off the earth, you take care of the deity nicely, and simple living, high thinking, you're literally off the grid, you know, yeah. and peaceful. That was where he was, you know, he wanted to take the movement towards that, you know, so... Um, so from that, you know, communal to now where it's just, you know, empty buildings full of, you know, a few hired devotees on weekdays and then a Sunday feast, you know, brimming, you know, brimming with, you know, 200, 300 devotees and then going back to, you know, weekdays of solitude. How do you say that's not mission drift? <laughs> mm. I think that the, I think the movement has to, uh, you know, it has to like accommodate the changes that are happening in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, so, you know, the, our principles need to be, you know, there. So the Swami Narayans, they adapted, mm. you know, they incorporated any change in society became somehow, in, you know, enveloped into their strategy for how to retain their, their team, their, 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 their volunteers, their, you know, their satsangis, as they mm. call themselves. And they emphasize it over and over again. If you want to progress in spiritual life, you have to get association. You have to attend these things. You have to do your homework and, and study. And you have to become well-versed in the philosophy. Things that we just don't emphasize anymore. Yeah. Now we emphasize, you know, come and spend X amount of dollars and go to this kirtan. And, you know, you'll get to sit right next to so-and-so Prabhu as he sings his fifth alap of the ninth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's come down to now, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's really disheartening. It is. So, and then, you know, and many of the people that I'm just now, you know, scorching, they're all dear friends of mine. Yeah. You know, and, and God bless them for having that taste of the Holy Name. I wish had that, I had that kind of taste. Yeah, no, I agree. I like it. I got, that was a good one. <clears throat> you know, but at the same time, you know, how much of that is external? Like, for instance, at the Rathiatra last year in New York, you know, we purposely chose, and I and I purposely pushed that we have to have some external events, not just the Rathiatra and the Sunday program. Mm, you like this one? Have you heard of Krishna consciousness? This part is a crazy man. <laughs> Did you see that episode? Yeah, yeah, of course. <clears throat> But you know, I agree with you. I agree with you to a point, but I still can't get over the fact that it's 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 something that has to do with the heart and it can't be forced. Doesn't have to be forced, but you have to put in the effort. Right? No one's expecting yeah. you when you take initiation that you're gonna have, you know, the taste for the holy names. But if you don't do your rounds every day, mm. how are you gonna develop that taste? Yeah. You gotta put in the effort. Yeah. So like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they make their members go out, you know, morning, noon, and night, you know, whatever. You have to commit and you have to report to your pastor or whoever is in charge. I did this many hours this week. Is it, do they grow? The Jehovah's Witness? They're yeah. everywhere. Like, do they regular? I want to know statistics of like how the, how I people mean, join and how many people join. Up, but they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was walking down on Wall Street to a client site and... 
it was um, people working in Wall Street. They had their their um, stockbrokers tags, and they were out on the street, right outside at a little you know portable kiosk, you know, standing with their magazines, like during their break or something. During their break. Wow. No one would do that in Iskon. No, I, I remember one time um, there was. I mean, you can. I mean, if you go to the the like Kirtana Union Square, I did that a couple of times. Right, when right, I used right, to work yeah. near there. You go for an hour. Yes. Or half an hour, whatever it is. We just did your, you know, requirement for the week or whatever. <laughs> is it about checking it off, though? You have to quantify it somehow. <laughs> you, have, you have to. <laughs> why did... Why I don't did, think you do. I don't think you why, do. I mean, it's it's the same as chanting your rounds. You have to quantify it. Right, right. Good point. Right? Mahaprabhu... He didn't carry beads, but with his fingers, he one finger he was chanting, you know, the, the actual mantras. Mm-hmm. And other finger, ha- hand he was counting how many he did that day. Yeah. I mean, he was, he could have manifested, you know, beads and whatever, but he just chose to do it the simplest way. But he had a, he had his own prescribed number of rounds that he did. This is a good discussion, but th- where does like, I know you're a leader there in New York I'm, and everything, I'm not a but, uh, but I'm a nobody. How can we, how can we, um, oh, that's what I wanted to say was, mm. you know, Manaram Prabhu wrote on, on, on Facebook, like God if you had, him. God bless him. Yes. God bless him. Round of applause for Manaram Prabhu. Uh, he, he, he's doing the work. No, no, I know. But with he the, said, with the bus tours he does, he's sacrificing a lot to yes. get those things out every yeah, year. Yeah. They go to Mexico and they do a whole stage program and the books and Kirtan. Wonderful. Wonderful. I mean, he's he doing made, enough for a lifetime just now. I know. He made a post on Facebook saying like, if you had 10 minutes with the um, ISKCON leadership, like, what would you say to them? There was I, like two or three comments. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't... Because I actually sat there for a minute to try to think, and I was like, I don't know what I would say. I mean, this is what I would say: focus on the pe- the devotees. Y- they'd say they would say like, uh, how how do you even quantify like that? What would you do? just follow Prabhupada's instructions? There's it's not it's not rocket science. Yeah, but the thing is, Prabhupada's instructions are there, but until someone comes and helps guide you to that point physically, I mean, we're not Ritwiks over here, okay? We have to have some sort of connection. <laughs> Keep pressing the wrong one. Yeah, we're not Ritviks. You got to put labels on Thank the things. Lord. I know, I do. You know, Ritviks, they're basically, you know, hung Prabhupada to dry. They just basically said, yeah, he's he's there. It's his instructions. And you depend on him to figure this thing out. We I kind of that. agree that in the sense of he's the founder of Acharya. No doubt. He is our founder of Acharya. It's his instructions. But there has to be, you know, interaction. There has to be human contact. There has to be some way... For a person, like the, the best devotees who made me serious about Krishna conscious are like my closest friends now. Mm. You know, and whatever they need from me, even now, even though I'm so busy, if they need some t- of my time, I will try to give them my time. Right. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing anything in Krishna consciousness. Mm. So most of the devotees in ISKCON, they have someone that they can say, oh yeah, that person. For him, I would do it. For her, I would do it. Like a shiksha guru. They can be called that, sure. But many of them, they don't need any appellation like that. They just they just did what they had to do to make that person a devotee. Yeah. So how does that relate with what we're talking about again? That's the thing. Come back to the point of, you know, getting devotees, um, the leadership focusing on creating the means by which the congregations... The lay devotees, the you and the me, we can get inspired and and, and self empowered to help push forward the mission. Yeah. You know, otherwise we'll end up like the Catholic Church. What happened then? They have, they have so many churches and so many parishes all over this world, and I've seen a couple. I mean, I went to one soon after I got second initiated. Um, I had. It was, I think it was like a week later, <clears throat> and I was at a construction site all day. Yeah. Where was I going to do my uh, noon Gayatri? Yeah. I've so, done it in churches before. It's great. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I went to a church, you know, and the door was wide open. Nobody there. Yeah. Not even the pastor. Nobody was there. Well, that's the situation <clears throat> at, at some of our temples. Yeah. 
I mean, I've been to the, uh, a couple of temples where you walk in and it's just you and the deity. Yeah. It's not exactly the safest thing, you know. For the de- I mean, that's why they have to have chain, uh, gates and gates, things. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, why should it come to that? The large temple model is not going to work anymore. That's what maybe, I think. Maybe. Or like the uh, Mormons have few of them. A or few the, or of the them. BAPs. Yeah. A few of them. Not as many. I think the small groups meeting on a Friday, whether you want to call it Bhakti Riksha or Namahata or something, that's the way forward. That's the way forward, but it, it works best when it's connected to a larger entity. Why? So that you know you're part of something. Right. You're not just. Well, what's wrong with just being part of that? Because. Um, when you're, when you see, or when you, because you have to go to the temple at some point, that's part of Rupa Goswami's 64 items of devotional service. Right. You have to visit a holy place. You have to, you have to physically leave your comfort zone to do something to, um, experience Krishna. Mm. So temples are required, but I don't think as many as, you know, we think, or the temple name or definition should be broader Mm. where, you know, a, a preaching center with pictures can be still called a temple. Yes. And given the same importance as the the temples with the three altars with, you know, hundred deities. Yeah. And it, no, not one should be valued more than the other. These are very radical ideas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's like 10, 10, 10, 10 30 at night. <laughs> no, it's not. It's only, oh my God, it, also, it is almost 10 30. See? It's almost been an hour. Yeah. We should have a few more points before we end okay. here. Um, this is late night with Namaras. This is the late night show, guys. <laughs> I have service tomorrow morning. Um, but you live 10 minutes away, so you're good. That's true. I'm good. Um, Like, it shouldn't be this hard for temples to survive if we have so many congregation Great members point. and so many yeah. initiated devotees. It shouldn't be this hard. It, it, it's it's a question of, um, that we go back to, uh, you know, creating a team. Yeah, the, that's the main thing. You know, instead of calling it a team, a family. Better word. A family. We Better need to word. create family atmospheres around iskon temples so people feel welcome they feel careful cared for they feel um at home at home they feel like they have a play uh, service some service that's theirs they feel some mamata for, to, for it that you needs to be it. created that needs to be created you got it you hit the <laughs> nail on the head because <laughs> i got friends like you it's kind of pinebrook <laughs> <laughs> how many devotees live in the temple three once under Two years old. <laughs> the temple president is also the head uh, garbage uh, remover. Yeah, and the accountants. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> and the head pujari. Yes. Um, well, anyways, you know, I appreciate this. This is a good conversation for sure. Yeah. Amazing conversation. We can we can even do like part three and four because there's so much there's so much things to unpack in all this. Yeah. But but if you wanted to. If you wanted to give our listeners like a takeaway from or a review from this podcast, what would you say? I would say is everything that we do in Krishna consciousness is wonderful. Nothing should be minimized or made um, better than the other, but we should value what everyone is offering in their service to Krishna. And it's not just the devotees who are on the front stage or on the altar it's the devotees behind them too that are making these wonderful you know activities happen that's one point second point is krishna consciousness is more than just what we do inside the four walls of whatever temple or venue we're in i would request any of the devotees who are listening and and you know may want to take some thought is whatever time i'm spending indoors in my own bhajan and my own sadhana can I spend some of that time outdoors? Because that's also part of your sadhana. Very good. Very good point. Like our sadhana should not be, you know, like to be a sadhu, you have to have a sadhana. That's what the Govind Marja's definition. Mm. So the sadhana for 
devotees of ISKCON or the Gaudiya, you know, Sampradayas, we have to do inward work and outward work. Mm. That's when you can be called a sadhu. That's a good point. So that's what I request to all of the listeners is just think about how we can. And does if you can't physically do it yourself, then support someone who is. Yeah, there's lots of ways to I mean, support the, it. Bhagavad Gita in the 12th chapter. That's what Krishna says. Bhagavad Gita. Oh my God, we have to talk about book changes. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's our next one. You have to come over next week. Oh my God. We have to talk about it. Honestly, it's such a good topic. I mean, I actually appreciate most of the changes that happened what i do i'm so against book changes that that interview did i show you, did i tell you about that interview yeah. Yeah, yeah that changed me 180 degrees man i just went fully in the other direction i funny story my dad we were we were cleaning out he moved right yeah, yeah. so we cleaned out his garage yeah, yeah. he had like a ton of the the purple bhagavad gita it's like papa what are you doing with all these where's your 72 gitas <laughs> he's like what are you talking about i was like and then i and i gave him like 15 minutes of book changes oh my god Woo! he's such a sadhu man don't like interrupt him you know he's know. a sadhu your dad is a sadhu i'll have to, i'm gonna have him come on the on the you show need to have him come on the show yeah no he can talk about his father that 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 i still look at that picture it's like brilliant <laughs> And Pretty he, cool. And your grandpa looks so happy there, you know. He, he he looks so much like my dad. He looks like your son. Really? Well, my dad, my son looks like my dad as well. Yeah. But I anyways, know, I don't know where where you fell off that tree. I don't know. I don't look like anybody. <laughs> anyways, Tetananda, thank you. This is episode twenty two, um, and we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Haribo. Haribo. Take care. <laughs>